Hi, this is Christian, and I'm coming to you live from the future. Wow. I know. This is fascinating. Uh, I'm Julia, also coming to you from the future. Well, the now, I the, guess. Yes, our now. The podcast past, therefore the future of the podcast? I guess. Time travel is crazy. It really is, is wackadoodle, and they never do it right in movies. No. No, they don't. Mm, mm, back, back to, to the, the future. future. <laughs> The only good one. Yeah. Um, but you may be confused if you are a first time listening to this podcast, but this is actually a re-recording of our first episode. Yeah, very exciting because the first time we recorded an episode of the Teen Wolf Rewolf podcast, we were many, many states away from each other. So we were doing it via Zoom, I think. Um, Skype. And, yeah. And then we were very proud of that original episode. We've grown a lot as a podcast. And not only that, our listenership has grown exponentially Mm -hmm. um and we want to have a new and creative and fun way to reintroduce the podcast so we are re-recording our first episode i'm very excited watch it be totally shitty (laughs) (laughs) it could be it could touch like on nothing we did in that first one that i'm proud of yeah but perhaps it would be more on brands in line with i think it's probably a better introduction of our character i think actually the best introduction of our character was saying back to the future and you and (laughs) and then laughing at our own joke (laughs) Uh, well, that's just what it's like. You're right. It is just what it's like here at the Teen Wolf Free Wolf podcast, a podcast where we treat every episode of Teen Wolf like the piece of literature it is. That's right. We do a book report on MTV's Teen Wolf, a show that has defined our friendship and roommateship and kind of our lives for the last little bit. Yeah. Um, it was crazy because it went off the air like a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's been a thing that's like kept us together through this pandini this pan- pandemic the panda express yeah that we're all going through currently imagine moment. telling us when we recorded the first episode in late 2019 Am- that the majority of our podcast would be recorded throughout a global pandemic no it, that is so totally crazy to me we hadn't even moved to chicago when we first started no, doing this we were six months pre-covid mm-hmm. and um now we're a full year post-COVID. Which is just an insane concept. Absolutely bonkers. But I, I think it, it, it makes me proud of how far we've come, and that's why we're doing this, you know? Mm-hmm. So the... Uh, I, it, I, I think about like all of the funny like political references and stuff, like current events we talked about in the early since of the podcast, and how like they are so <laughs> out of my mind. So much shit has happened in the last couple of years-ish now. Um, that, the uh, rear view mirror is like so, too crowded to even like begin to see what have, we've left behind us. Not so. only that, I also pretend not to see it. Like there's some stuff I'm like, I'm not remembering that happened. <laughs> yeah, it's I, too much, man. I won't hear it and I won't respond to yeah. it. Um, but re- watching the first episode again really brought us back to simpler times. We were both smiling the entire time watching this. It is a delight to go back and watch, I think, any show's pilot, um, but particularly the one that we've become um, so enamored of and I think feel like just a, such a strong connection to because we've been doing these book reports for four seasons now. Um, so to get to go back to the beginning, see where it all began. It occurred to me, like, obviously Teen Wolf is a dark show and mm-hmm. we've been talking about like how Teen Wolf was able to sort of be so much darker in the place that other teen shows weren't, and it's a lot more violent and a lot more gory, and, like, the concepts it's dealing with are a lot heavier. And then rewatching this, I was like, oh, no, this was, like, a dumb show about lacrosse <laughs> when it started. Like, it aged into that, aging with its audience also, which is important. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, this was such a brilliant, like, it is such a wonderful pastiche towards like all teen media. It's kind of like the last remaining crumbs of like what teen movies looked like in the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, and it was absolutely charming to watch. I was just like, couldn't believe how young everybody looked. I had a fantastic time. We are now in the middle of, at the end of season four in the regular podcast. So we have not seen Allison in a while. And it was wonderful to make her acquaintance. And she doesn't get a whole lot to do in the pilot. But just to even like see her interactions with Scott. Um, I One of the things that we say really often is that the, the ship that you're presented with in Teen Wolf is the ship you ship. Because I like them all. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Steric shippers. Hmm. It's just not it. It's, it's not it, and you should know that now. Um, but, but, Scallison. Love it. Brings me so much joy. And we are being introduced to all these new people and all these new relationships, so we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of introduction. Mm-hmm. But before we can do that, we have to do a 60-second recap. Yes, and um, I very stupidly did not take any notes uh, on the plot of this so oh i have seen this episode probably just because i keep showing it to people like 10 times and i don't think i'm gonna do any better i have only seen it half the amount of times that you've seen it so i don't know it's entirely possible that neither of us will do very well i do also have a little bit feel like because like when i am trying to introduce people to teen wolf i'm like yeah watch the pilot and then i'm on my phone like i'm like i'm on twitter you know (laughs) yeah they're like wow this is crazy and i'm like i'm reading the news (laughs) You're right, it is crazy. You're right, it's nuts. Mm -hmm. What happened? Um, So since we're not in full season form, we're going to have to rock, paper, scissors to see who goes first. A game which I always lose. So (laughs) let's see how I do this time. Wait, on on three? Or I forget how we do this. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Okay, ready? Okay, ready? Mm -hmm. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. I won! I did paper sheeted rock for the play-by-play. Yeah, I'm very proud of you. So um, that means I have to go first. It sure does. In trying to remember it what happened. It would happens. never be a reward to go first. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get to go. No. 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 I get to go first and Not make myself sound like an idiot who can't remember the 45 minutes of a show she just watched. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but are are you ready? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're going to channel the you know early days of this podcast and early Teen, Teen Wolf and put it out into your one minute of plot recap? I think it's going to be real chaotic. So maybe that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Okay, great. Well, good. Okay. Um, you have a minute on the clock. Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Okay. So there are a bunch of folks running through the woods with their um, flashlights looking for something, something we don't know what Scott McCall is in his bedroom, getting ready for the first day of school. When all of a sudden he hears a noise and he goes downstairs with his baseball bat and his best friend Styles Stalinsky pops up down from the roof where he was trying to climb into uh, Scott's bedroom, I guess. And is like, there's a body in the woods and let's go find the other half of it. Um, and that's Scott's like, I don't really want to go, but they go and then they uh, get caught by the sheriff and Scott runs away because he didn't get caught. He runs into the body and then gets bitten uh, after a bunch of deer come running at him the next day at school. He's like very uncomfortable and he's gotten bit and style says him that there's no wolves in California. He hears um, a new girl talking outside with the principal and like immediately falls in love with her. And then there's a party um, where he is like figuring out his bloodlust and Derek Scary Derek Hale, who is like, you're also a werewolf, comes to take Allison home. Um, there's some lacrosse tryouts, and uh, Styles does his little Twilight searchy thing. Oh, girl. I know. I literally was trying to like run through it in terms of like screen caps 
in my mind. Uh-huh. Um, and you just put them all out of order? Yeah. Yeah. I did. Uh-huh. I, I felt like I got the essence of what was happening. Yeah. I got the vibes. Angst. Teen angst. Teen angst. Low budget. Low budge. Russell Mulcahy directing. Yes. Um, are you ready to possibly do better than I just did, please? Because that was embarrassing for me <laughs> a little bit. Well, I feel like um, it's not a good reflection of how you usually do with the 60 second recap, which is for sure better than me. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes, huh? Uh, sure. Okay. But are you ready? No. Mm-hmm. Well, you have a minute on the clock starting right now. Okay, so Scott is getting ready in his bedroom for lacrosse the next day, and his friend Style shows up and is like, hey, there's a body in the woods. Let's go find it. They show up to the the like investigation site, and the sheriff catches Styles, and Scott is stuck in the woods on his own. He gets bit by a werewolf and then wakes up the next day being like, what the F happened? And Styles is like, oh, there are no wolves in California. Meanwhile, there's a new girl at school, and Scott can hear her from across the hallway, and that's really weird. And he's like, she's pretty cute. And then they do lacrosse tryouts, and everything is like, oh, whoa, Scott is like really good at lacrosse now. What the F is that about? And so Styles is like, I need to do some investigating here. This is crazy. And so St- Scott is at work, and and then Allison shows up and she's like, I accidentally hit a dog and Scott can like calm the dog down some, for some reason. He asks her on a date to go to a party. And then Styles is like, you can't go to this party because I'm really sure you're a werewolf. And then they run into Derek Hale in the woods and he's like, that's Derek Hale. That's really scary. And then they're at the party and Scott freaks out and he has to leave because he's going into werewolf shock and then goes in the woods and gets seen by hunters. And Derek saves him and he's like, we're brothers now. And then he has to apologize to Allison the next day at school. Seven seconds. Left? Yeah. Okay, well, let me have those second se- seven seconds. And then he looks at Allison's dad and realizes that Allison's dad is a werewolf hunter. <laughs> I was not timing it because I had already clicked out, but I'm sure that that's less than seven seconds. Cool. Wow. I think I did okay. I think you did too. I, I think th- of the ten watches of this pilot via making other people watch this <laughs> pilot just really paid off. Yeah, I think you've uh, absorbed it all. It's just there in your brain. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that kind of victory anywhere else in uh, any other episode of the Teen Wolf Werewolf, but usually the first episode of the season is like the best we ever do because nothing's happening yet and then when you're getting into like japanese ghosts you're like ah i died i'm done you're like we missed 20 things 20 scenes because they were all a minute long yes but this episode we're just doing a lot of introduction Uh if you will introduction which is how i said we're going to talk about this episode this episode is called the wolf moon which um is the name of the first full moon of the year so it's the january full moon it's called the wolf moon and it was directed by our dear friend russell mulcahy and written by jeff davis who is the showrunner of teen wolf yeah um um you as the podcast goes on will hear those names a lot yes and we have many things many wonderful and critical things to say about them um, it's funny, you, like, there's a part where Scott splashes in a puddle, and you were like, oh, Russell, because water is one of his signatures, as we learned, but you know from your otherwise following <laughs> of his career. Yes, I'm a huge fan of uh, his movie Highlander, which I would recommend to any person, um, but he comes onto Teen Wolf, and there's just, like, rain or puddles or just any kind of water action. Scott jumps in the pool. In a pool. Like so many different moments mm-hmm. for his talent to shine in this episode. So like I said, we're going to talk about introduction. I think the first introduction we need to make is that of Beacon Hills. Um, A town where the more we learn about it, the less I actually know about it. Yes. It is It is Teen Wolf Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. And um, it is sort of kind of wholesome in this initial like story you know it very much is like 
the way that you create good sort of teen media is to isolate it mm-hmm. in, in especially small towns, like, you know, or suburbs. Like, Mean Girls takes place in Evanston. It mm-hmm. couldn't take place in Chicago. It's got to be in somewhere smaller. Yes. And Beacon Hills is isolated. It's in Northern California, we think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a place that seems sleepy at first. Style says that, you know... This, they, it's really big news that there's a, a, a murder, specifically one so gruesome, in the woods of Beacon Hills. Hilarious, because it only gets worse from here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Style specifically says you're the one who complains that nothing ever happens here. Which classic. I <laughs> classic, classic. The conceit of like most teen shows, nothing ever happens here. And then either some crazy supernatural shit starts happening there, or... Literally, it's a show about nothing. Um, Freaks and geeks, baby. <laughs> both of those things are good. Yeah. But yeah, Beacon Hills is um, implied to be like very small. They have a lot of pride in their lacrosse team. They've won the state championship three years in a row. That's kind of a big deal for like As, one high school. Well, a huge deal for a like ranky dinky high school in California. Mm-hmm. The state championship in California <laughs> is like a shitload of people to be fighting against. Yes, indeed. Um, and lacrosse is also just like a very cool sport. But um, what was the sport at your high school? I don't think we didn't really have one, but I also grew up in Maryland. So like lacrosse culture is huge there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not the sport that everyone went to go watch, but like the cool boys played lacrosse were they actually cool or did they just have money um air quotes around cool yep 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 lacrosse was kind of big at my high school too it's a very impressive sport my mom used to coach it and it is her greatest disappointment that i never ever wanted to play it yeah Um, yeah i do not have the hand-eye coordination yeah but girls who play lacrosse are tough they scare me boy lacrosse lame boring girl lacrosse the scariest thing you've ever seen those bitches will take you down you just brought up mean girls there's a reason oh, yeah. that that's Regina George's sport. True. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we have a, you know a setting that becomes um, really like home to to the action of the show, and we go other places. Like they gallivant in Mexico briefly. They go to a different scary town in season <laughs> six at some point. But it really is a bubble of of the action of the show, and and you come to find that it has excellent personality um, throughout the people who live there. You know the people who are loyal to that town, you mm-hmm. know? People who live in small places are often loyal to those places, and I think that we see sort of, like, brilliant introductions to that, you know? Melissa is, like, a huge part of her community as a nurse in the hospital, and the sheriff is obviously an elected official, so his people know him. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it becomes Allison's home and the home of a lot of other people who get introduced. So a really cool, fun, you know, this town isn't quite what it seems type of stuff. Well, it always, it always sets the tone for any show but especially teen shows like you think about pretty little liars rosewood pencil i think that's what it's called um is like a character because it's all the town is always a character oh you yeah know, like i mean this is tone. this is i mean mm-hmm. the oc is maybe the yeah, really yeah. obvious example <laughs> but like the oc and one tree hill and the vampire diaries like they mm-hmm. all have their their place and beacon hills is is our place moving on to introduction of our characters i think we would be remiss if we didn't start with mr teen wolf himself scott mccall Scott McCall, and I think we can't talk about Scott McCall without talking about Stiles Stilinski. They are the, the a unit. They are the relationship on which this show hinges, and Teen Wolf would not work without it. No, and its successes and its failures both depend on how well the relationship is functioning throughout the show. Yes. 
Um, they are the very, very best of friends. And it's not, I don't think it's ever officially established like when they met or kind of what that introduction was, but they're clearly like sandbox friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why Styles is the one to show up to Scott's house and be like, come find a dead body with me. You know what I was kind of loving is that the dynamic that Scott and Styles have is actually the dynamic that you usually see in um, teen movies about like girl best friends. And mm-hmm. you have like the sort of sweet, innocent protagonist and then her like crazy friend with butterfly clips and like a bad attitude. And like <laughs> you literally just describe describe Buffy and Willow. Yes. Well I, well, I was actually mostly thinking of, like, to all the boys I've loved before is the same yeah. thing. Like, mm-hmm. that re- happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's really fun to see that kind of turn on its head that we have, you know, these two best friends who are guys and have this really strong, like, affectionate platonic relationship. Um, and it is reminiscent of all of the other teen media that we love. Um, but it's, you know, to the left a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you have sort of... Not bumbling, but like slightly like more earnest and a little bit slower on the uptake. Scott, who is just the best human being. And then Styles, who is a lot worse at being a human being, but like super <laughs> smart. You and they the, really balance each other. Yeah. You have the superhero and you have the brain. Yeah. Of the superhero because the superhero doesn't like have time. Yes. For yeah. The brain. Um, and yeah, we get introduced to, to Scott and he is... It's funny that Styles calls him the nerd of their friendship, the one who's like dragging them down socially. Styles has to be the one yes. who's dragging them down socially. <laughs> he's nerdy, he's like spastic. He like is desperately in love with Lydia Martin, who could not give him the time of day. Mm-mm. And um, Scott just seems extremely chill. He just wants to get first line at lacrosse, social climber. <laughs> He just, he, well, he expresses, he says to us that like his whole life is just sitting on the sidelines and he doesn't want to do that anymore. He wants to like be in it to be doing. He wants to be somebody who participates and he wants to be, he wants to like exceed in the things that he's passionate about. Like we all do like those, you know, I think it would be like, Scott isn't not like other girls, you know, Mm -hmm. that is, he is what we all want just to sort of appreciate and be appreciated. Yeah, well, I think that's one of, like, the um, dangers of kind of establishing one of your main characters as a supernatural creature because it's very possible to make them really unlikable or kind of unrelatable. And Scott is so relatable and likable. Yes, so likable. I think what's kind of brilliant about him is that, like, he has always been resistant to power Mm -hmm. because it's not who, it's, it's not something he values, which is why he is so excellent at using it once he has it yes it is so calculated and so um you know smart and caring in the way that he you know and it's a little you can be like oh it's a little selfish at first that he uses it to get good at lacrosse you could you're allowed one thing you know you're allowed one thing especially considering everything that scott does in the future question for you Mm -hmm. you get bit by a werewolf what's like what's like the one thing you get like kind of good at to like show off running yeah running one because I can't run it hurts my knees so bad so being able to like run for real I want to do it I would like I run Mm -hmm. not very well but I try my best I would love to be able to just wake up and be like I'm gonna run a marathon today yeah I would love that that is like such a (laughs) that is such a crazy life flex once you're an adult the people who apparently have their shit together can run a marathon I hate Mm -hmm. those people. They're like, well, I'm just going to, you know, go to brunch and drink all day. And then the next day I'm going to wake up and 
run the New York City Marathon Ugh. and do a great job. Hate it. Like when you know when you're a teenager, like Teen Wolf. If you when you were a Teen Wolf, you're like when I'm in my twenties, I'm gonna have a house and a <laughs> husband and a blah, blah 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 blah. Now I'm in my twenties and I'm like, it would be great if I could run more than five miles. I think that would be really good for me. <laughs> uh yeah. Oh, you know what I would do? Hmm. Parkour. Yes, American Ninja Warrior. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. God, American Ninja Warrior is so <laughs> stupid entertaining. Um, it is so quintessentially American. I don't know how else to explain that. You just have to be but... American to be like, yeah, I'm going to run up a wall. Like, you have to be like, oh, like, you have to be in it for the name of the game of yes. fun. Actually, do you know what I would do? I almost said a little stupid, which I know you were going to say, so. Uh, very specifically on American Ninja Warrior, do you remember the time that a streaker got onto the course? Yeah. I would do it and I'd finish it. Yeah. I'd finish it. Finish it. He, naked. He didn't make it. Yeah, no. Finish All it. The way. Totally naked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's um, what I would do. I mean, if you got those were- the werewolf body, because I'm assuming it sort of gives you, like, muscles. Like, it makes you hot, like, vampire and, like, mm-hmm. s- like super soldiers or whatever. Or it gives you, like, the capacity to actually, you know, build up to that. Yeah. So, so you'd, you'd be streaking and you'd also look so good. I would look fantastic. Yes. Exactly. Uh, this, is, this is both about <laughs> defining skill, but also showing off your sick bod. And then that would be my one thing. And then I would try to, you know, save the world. Yeah. After, I had, after I was done streaking yeah. on American Ninja Warrior. And you know who's trying to save the world? Scott, Scott McCall. McCall. It is very common that we uh, use the expression that he is Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He is Spider-Man, you know? Like, it, it, in the exact same way <laughs> of being bit by something and then feeling weird and then waking up being like, look at my muscles. But, like, the sort of trajectory of, of Spider-Man's goodness, it is about, you know, thankless work. Mm-hmm. And we're not quite seeing that yet. In this episode, because Scott hasn't had any reason to save anybody except for the dog, which is making Scott work at a vet clinic is brilliant. Chef's kiss. He has so much empathy for the living creatures in this world, and it's shown mm-hmm. immediately. Um, but yeah, we have, like you said, the superhero and the sidekick, who is Styles really a sidekick? No, I don't think it's really fair to call him the sidekick, but I also think that like if Bruce Banner were not the Hulk... Like, he'd just be helpful because he's Dr. Bruce Banner. Yeah, when he's not the Hulk, that's the ish. Yeah. No, no, no. But, like, he would be part of the team even if he were not the Hulk, yes. is my point. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, Styles' role. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just genius boy. Genius boy. Speaking of geniuses, want to move into the girls? Yes. Lydia Martin. We see so little of her, but God, is she mean in this episode. My queen. Love her. She, of course, comes to play... Um, a more intense role in the later seasons. But um, I, especially watching Team Wolf for the first time, um, and I talk about it a lot on this podcast, how, you know, you can draw a lot of parallels to Buffy um, all the time. Like, Lydia is the Cordelia. She's, um, except that Cordelia is a kind of an idiot, but she's like the mean, popular girl who Cordelia immediately tries to befriend Buffy, and that doesn't work out. Lydia immediately befriends Allison, and it does work out, but mostly because Allison will not put up with her bullshit. Yeah. Um, and Lydia is so freaking smart. Yeah. And I think this this episode kind of makes me... I'm, I'm very charmed with her character progression and the way that she... 
in the pilot can come off as somebody who's sort of like superfluous and mean for the sake of being mean. And then as you start to get to know her in the first season, you're like, she has everyone in the palm of her hand. This is all orchestrated. She is moving chess pieces constantly in all of her social interactions. Mm -hmm. And then when Lydia sort of meets her later psychological downfall, she no longer (laughs) has that grip, but she also no longer needs it because she's so much more secure with her place in the universe and in her friend group. But because the social structures of high school pre pack, like pre having this like supernatural bond are so fragile. Lydia is just sort of like, you know, taking two steps to the left just to make everything the way she needs to look at it. You know, it's really impressive when she sees this new girl, she could either be like, Oh, the new girl, but no, she's like, this might be a piece I want to acquire. And then Mm -hmm. she soon learns that she is really going to like Allison because Allison is a boss ass bitch. Yes. Lydia is, um, I think as we see like moving forward, because high school is just a dog eat dog environment, people will not hesitate to replace their queen bees. Um, and Lydia seems to be extremely aware of that. Um, and it's really interesting to see her interaction with Allison, because like you said, it, it might be, um, that she's looking for a new piece to acquire, but it also might just be like the classic popular girl. I can be in a room full of people and I feel totally alone. And, you know, perhaps Lydia sees something or hopes she sees something in Allison where she could be in a room full of people, but she has Allison. Or even she's in a room full of people who know her in a certain way. And all of a sudden somebody who doesn't know her in that way walks in and there's all of a sudden somebody she could be more authentic around. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see that evolution, you know, we see those moments where Allison sort of pushes Lydia to be more who she is and vice versa. Um, We have to talk about Allison. Allison Argent, my other queen for now. It was a long conversation Um, in the early days of Teen Wolf um, about whether or not Allison was unlikable or a Mary Sue. And I I remember not liking her watching the pilot, like when I was 15 or however old I was. I must have been 15. Um, and it just sort of felt like it was this girl who life, she was too good at things, you know, not in a Mary Sue way, but in a way where like she was sort of effortlessly pretty and she made friends easily. And there was just sort of a way that like, it was a jealousy almost. And now looking back on it, I'm just sort of like, Allison walks into a room and wants good things around her Mm -hmm. and when you put out that energy and are excited to accept the pen that scott is offering while also being excited to accept lydia's friendship she's not looking for you know a calculated social standing in the way that lydia is she's good at making friends because she accepts friendship from all places Yes, I um, had the experience of watching Teen Wolf as a a fully grown adult. I was not a teen. Lucky you. I think it gave me brain rot. Uh, I think I have worms in my brain. (laughs) I have worms in my brain for other reasons. Um, Gilmore Girls is your other reason. (laughs) I was gonna say TikTok, but you're correct. (laughs) Um, And I just, I remember thinking that like they gave Allison kind of the perfect um, backstory for being the way that she is because she's kind of a military military brat in the sense that like she moves around all of the time and her parents don't have these kind of um normal accessible jobs like you'd think that people in beacon hills high school know melissa or they know the sheriff because they've all gone to school together forever and it's a relatively small community 
And Allison kind of goes in and out of these different communities with her very weird parents Mm -hmm. and no siblings. Um, So she either has to be very good at just welcoming people into her, into her aura, or she has to be a loner. And that is incredibly isolating and horrible. So it makes perfect sense why she would be good at the former. Yeah. Yeah. She also is just pretty. She's pretty. She's pretty. (laughs) She's pretty and she's badass. She's got like crazy talents. She's nice. She also, um, I think like knows how to put up boundaries with people. Um, like she is super ready to drop Scott after he ditches her at the party. (laughs) Yeah. Or even at the beginning when Lydia invites her to the party, she's like, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's trying to like suss out where she might stand. What is going on in this school? Who's whom? Yeah. She hasn't met anybody. That's like her first class. And Lydia's like, hello, where's your jacket from? The no other preamble. In this episode. Oh my gosh. Is so much. Mm-hmm. Very 2011. We'll get there in Q's and O's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of have two antagonists in this episode, which is interesting. Who do you want to start with? Jackson or Derek? Uh, let's talk about Jackson. So Jackson is sort of the antagonist of the high school happenings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said this to you while we were watching. When Jackson is no longer on the show, spoiler, but if you're listening, <laughs> this is a re-watch podcast. Um, when Jackson is no longer on the show, we lose an element of a character who is not evil, but just mean. Just mean and <laughs> in a way where Jackson completely understands social cues. It's not like a I'm mean because I'm not picking up on the vibe at the moment. Jackson knows and he doesn't care because he is king of the king of the school. Yep. He has a Porsche. He is captain of the lacrosse team and they are juniors, I guess. And if they've won the state championship for the last three years and he's been captain all three years, he was a captain when he was a freshman. Like he is king. Everybody falls at his feet and does whatever they want, does whatever he wants. I don't necessarily know if they fall at his feet so much as it's like an intimidation factor. Like your Mm -hmm. life is easier if you just sort of let Jackson be an asshole. Yes, that's true. Yeah. It's easier just to like let it happen. (laughs) Which, yeah, I think a lot of high school is just deciding that some things are just easier if you let them happen, even if they're bad to you. This might as well happen. Yeah. Has been my motto for the last year. Yep. Not just in high school. might as well happen. But this might as well happen. Yeah. Um, And Jackson is, you know... Not like Scott. He is threatened by other people's success. He wants success for very for reasons that are less about personal fulfillment and more about status. Um, mm-hmm. And he also delivers one of the best interactions the show has ever seen. Julia, where are you getting your juice? My mom does all the grocery shopping. The fact that that was in the pilot. <laughs> I think that's like what made it work. This Not only is team, does Team Wolf do an excellent job of like kind of walking us through uh what it's like to be a teen um and the the tragedy that goes along with that with like really you know crazy metaphors um but it's also tremendously funny yes it is so funny i laughed out loud it's going back to styles a little bit Mm -hmm. part of the reason why he is endearing and not just like some guy who would be really annoying is because everything that falls out of his mouth is funny so funny his his whole like being like, yeah, Scott, this infection you have is really bad. It's called like Like 
But only once a month. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. And he obviously becomes like the the comedic relief of the show. Mm -hmm. But the sort of like making fun of Scott and uh, uh, Jackson for both being kind of stupid. Incredible. (laughs) They should just both be kind of stupid. I'm very into that. That whole exchange is great. But it is even funnier. Like after Scott figures out what he's talking about. And he's like, but are you on steroids? Yeah, like, like, all of a sudden, like, his innocence is gone, and he's like, that's a, a thing that people do? <laughs> Certainly yeah. not for high school sports, right? Uh, I dep- I think it depends on what high trying school you to, go to. Trying to get a scholarship? Oh, actually, I'm thinking about Friday Night Lights. No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I corrected my opinion. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of really good comedic relief that comes from Jackson because he's a dummy. Um, and also just, like, from lacrosse in general. Um, with Coach, Coach who is very funny. The lacrosse element of the, especially this first episode, the fact that we get two long lacrosse sequences, like now they're so few and far between once mm-hmm. you get into the deeper seasons that when they do happen, you're like, oh, I missed her. High school. High school. Mm-hmm. I love just also listening to the music, you know, just vibing and like watching them, you know, do backflips. It's so fun. And I, I love kind of the construction of those scenes because it's not just what's happening on the field, but it's the fact that like people came uh, out to the bleachers to just kind of like hang out and there's practice happening and they're kind of paying attention. But like it's also like a little social scene that's going on um, in, in this episode. And I think in like a couple of other ones where there are extended lacrosse scenes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about like what's happening with the people in the stands and like it's so fun. It is. To it's watch. Great. Yeah. And it is taken it's it's wonderful to watch it not be taken very seriously by the people who are in the who are in the stands Mm -hmm. and be taken so seriously by jackson and scott who end up being wonderful foils for each other for the first two seasons i would agree um now to talk about your favorite special boy my favorite special boy who does not get nearly enough um backstory or attention um at all but we love him nonetheless i love him nonetheless i like derek i just don't (laughs) love him in the way that you love him yes um i you know to be fair when i first started watching teen wolf i was like derek is going to be such a huge part of this um huge disappointment when that turned out not to be as true he, as I thought it would be. Well, he's big for the first couple seasons. He is, but his importance really kind of wanes. Um, like, he's part of the pack, but he's just kind of there. I think you were kind of hoping that he would be more of, like, a like advising figure, but he is such a disaster. <laughs> he is such that, a that, that mess. That is not the case. He's in his early 20s, so. So he also he clearly... can't run a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bet Derek Hale, if he woke up in the morning, he could, he could run a marathon. I bet Tyler Hecklin, if he woke up in the morning, could be like, I could run 23 miles. 26 miles. Oh, I don't know. I wish we could ask him. But anyway, uh, Derek shows up and it is so funny to rewatch this because he, all of a sudden they're back in the woods, uh, looking for Scott's inhaler and the camera pans around and Derek is just standing there. Oh my God. I laughed so hard. It looked so dumb. <laughs> it looks really, really stupid. Like, the best part about Teen Wolf, especially it's early seasons and like a lot of children's literature, which I include, pretty much all teen shows in Mm -hmm. the elements of camp. Like (laughs) it really is like we see Scott's ears grow and his eyes glow Mm -hmm. and Derek is like the shadowy figure in the background of the room. And it's like playing on these elements of horror movies, but in a way that is like commenting on them 
and is inherently funny and brilliant to bring that in. And that was a really good moment of it. It was really, really good. And it kind of establishes Derek as like this uh, figure you might presume to be kind of all knowing, but not willing to share um, anything. Like he clearly knows that Scott is a werewolf and he's trying to help him, but is purposefully either very bad at it or just withholding a ton of information. Yeah, and I will get to this in in questions and observations, but he does not tell Scott that he was not the one to bite him. And that is on purpose. Like, for the purpose of this pilot, we are supposed to believe that Derek is going to be a big bad Mm -hmm. in the show. And for the first couple of episodes in the first season, you're pretty sure that he is a murderer. (laughs) Um, yeah, well, he just, he looks so angry. There's a reason that people are constantly comparing Tyler Hecklin to a uh, grumpy cat. May she rest in peace. Tartar sauce. Um, but he just looks so angry. All you the could time. not be on tumblr.edu without <laughs> seeing a picture of Tyler Hecklin and the grumpy cat in yeah. the year of our Lord, 2013. You really could not. Um, they just share, they share so much of a, a facial similarity, but also a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. A mood, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, and, you know, it's like sort of, he's so classically villain in his mm-hmm. leather jacket. And he's like dark hair and this like brooding stare. And he's just in the woods. <laughs> his all black outfit or his little Danny Zuko black leather jacket, white t-shirt moment mm-hmm. um, at the party. And he just kind of like shows up. He drives Allison home. I would Which be, is the weirdest thing. I'd be like, I'll walk. Yeah, thanks. I'm... You're also, 25 and at a high school party, I'll walk. Uh, this was like pre-Uber, I guess. But yeah, I would have absolutely been like, in town. It was pre-Uber. I sometimes forget the fact that like our first couple of years of college were without Uber. Yeah, there, there have been some moments where I've like reflected on my life and reflected on certain scenarios. And I'm like, why didn't I call an Uber? Because it didn't exist. It didn't exist. <laughs> I could not have. Was not even a concept. Um, Yeah, but Derek just shows up as this mysterious figure um, as the Hale family, which looms very large over Beacon Hills in their absence. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, and we, like, my hometown has, like, a couple pretty grisly murders and, like, crazy tragedies, and... They, people still talk about them all the time. And like the sort of ghost of that stuff never really leaves. Mm-hmm. So especially for Styles, whose dad probably had to run all of the point on that case of what we know is arson and was, you know, investigated as a case of arson. Like, of course Styles wouldn't forget about that. No. He'd probably, you know, seen pictures of that family in the newspaper for weeks on end. Well, and there was also, you know, implied, we never figure out who, we don't, we don't get a Hale family tree, but we know that there were kids who died in that fire, presumably kids who went to school with Scott and Styles and all of their friends. And it's also said that um, both Derek uh, and Peter were only a couple of years older. So mm-hmm. they all would have known, they all would have seen. Um, I did not grow up in a very small town, so like, that's not I didn't have that same experience. I didn't really grow up in a small town. My suburb is just crazy. (laughs) Um, But so Derek is kind of like the one in this particular episode. It's like the one remaining um, symbol of that family. And he is full of mystery. Yes. Even to the point where he leaves the show. We don't know. We don't know. Where does he go? Huh? Mm Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, and it's really, I think it's kind of crazy to introduce a mentor in such an aggressive way because he's not like, I'm here to help. He's like, unfortunately, (laughs) we're brothers now. 
So he seems write that down. so angry about it. Um, he does save Scott from the hunters at the end of the episode. So he doesn't want Scott to die. No. That's a plus. I think that that's a bare minimum. <laughs> like not wanting people to die is like basic human decency. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the hunters, let's jump in and talk a little bit about the parents. Because we have the, the sort of parental triumvirate all appear in this episode that lasts us to the end of the show. Yes. So we have Scott's mom, Melissa. Styles' dad, the sheriff. (laughs) I think his name is Noah. I think it is. The sheriff. And then, obviously, hot daddy Chris Argent. Hot, hot daddy Chris Argent. Um, And immediately, we sort of see them in the roles that they are going to play in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Chris has a massive change of character. But we have Melissa, who is a caretaker, both as professionally and being Scott's mom. We have uh, Styles' dad, who... He is the law. He is the law. And, and therefore decides whether or not the law applies to his children. <laughs> <laughs> um, his children being the entire McCall pack eventually, but initially Scott and Styles. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, Mr. Argent, who is the vigilante. Vigilante, sort of a protector figure. Like, mm-hmm. his his goals don't change. His agenda does. Mm-hmm. You know, he wants to protect people and thinks he's doing the best by his code in the first couple of seasons. And then his code changes, but his responsibility stays the same. It's to protect people. Yeah. Um, little crazy that they shoot a 16-year-old with a crossbow. It is honestly um, kind of nuts to bring up this concept in Teen Wolf because it's so heavy. The idea that any supernatural creature, regardless of how old they are and werewolves, which are human, like 29 days out of a 30 day month, um, that you can kill 16 year olds. Yeah. With well, no it's against their code. He, it's against their code. On, we but, don't want to talk about that, but they do it. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Um, and also, you know, just the, the shoot first, ask questions later attitude of the whole Argent family mm-hmm. um, is just horrific. It is. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's really disgusting. And we come we come to know that Chris initially is not presented as a good guy. No, and he really isn't actually a good guy until they reverse the code. He has an excellent um, redemption arc. Mm-hmm. But it's important to pitch immediately that the hunters are evil. Mm-hmm. that and you know with shows like Buffy it is the vampires that are evil you know and we've kind of turned that on its head a little bit mm-hmm. that our protagonist isn't defending the world from you know other supernaturals or supernatural beings it's preventing the world from evil like protecting the world from evil people yes um and I think that's it's cool to introduce that so immediately I also think it's very funny that we also uh sort of Get a little bit of, like, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree immediately. Like, when Scott and Melissa are having that, like, miscommunicative conversation Mm -hmm. where they make a 16 and pregnant joke, ha, 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 nice self-drag MTV. (laughs) Um, You can tell that they're, like, a little bit, like, they they, they fire on similar cylinders as well as Scott and, and, Mm -hmm. as well as Styles and the sheriff and uh, Allison and her father. It's, yes. it's, it's really cool to sort of see that. And I, we've said this before, the amount of active parenting that actually happens in Teen Wolf is incredibly important to the show. So it's really good that we got to introduce ourselves, like acquaint ourselves with the adults um, so immediately. Yes. And also just the adults' relationships to their children, um, you know, 
Allison technically has two parents. One of them, you know, her mother dies in season two. What? Oh, spoil! I'm, spoilers. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. She what? She what? Um, like Lydia's dad clearly isn't around. We never see Jackson's parents really, except for that one time when he goes missing. Um, so like everyone kind of has that single parent only child thing going on, which is which, not the real world. I, <laughs> not the real the world. The fact at that all. nobody in Teen Wolf has siblings is infuriating. Very weird. Um, but. You get that really good, oh, these people obviously spend a lot of time with each other. They clearly inhabit the same household. And uh, if that's your only parent to look up to, you clearly just get all of their traits. And it's fun to see Mm -hmm. kind of the way that it repeats in younger generations. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to move move into our questions and observations section? Let's do that. Do you have questions? Yes. Hit me. Okay. So Scott's mom is a nurse, right? Yes. Why didn't he tell her? That he has a massive, massive bite on his abdomen. All right, I'll let you know this. Uh, when you are in high school, <laughs> it is worse to be grounded than have rabies. So Scott is not about to tell his mom <laughs> that he was out looking for a dead body in the woods in the middle of the night because, again, he's like, the rabies can happen. The, rabies the grounding that you cannot. There's cannot a party cure. this Friday. Yeah. <laughs> incurable rabies maybe he just like went to the animal clinic and gave himself a shot yeah like a a little bit of penicillin he's like i'll probably be okay i'm probably fine okay he might show deaton deaton isn't in this episode he's like and then meanwhile deaton who knows what it is is like yeah we'll we'll bandage that up which is crazy because we learn later that the bite either turns you or kills you so scott is like clearly on possibly maybe gonna die but he won't because it's the pilot and he's the main character um but i just find it really funny especially as like they pitch scott and melissa as being so so close that he wouldn't say anything about it to her i don't know i'm not scott i'm not scott (laughs) no but there is crazy stuff that probably kind of really could have gotten me in trouble that i didn't tell my parents for fear of being grounded so i relate yeah yeah um, I, but also here's the thing about the Scott and Melissa thing. Mm-hmm. You know how, if you overshare enough with your parents that you can withhold a shitload of other information, that's what it is. Um, my mother listens to this podcast, so I'm not going to agree with you on that one. Mom, I never do that. Ever. Jennifer, <laughs> she does. <laughs> um, anyway, I have one other question yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. How old do you personally think Derek Hale is? I think probably in this episode, he's 22. 22? 21 or 22, yeah. Okay. I was kind of joking at the 25 thing. He's like 23. They say a couple years older than them. So if we want him to be out of like high school age, but like sort of able to come back into adulthood, it could probably be like mm-hmm. a post-college thing. That way would put him in like six years older than yeah. Scott and Styles. That okay. would make sense to me. 22, 21. Okay. I, I just ask because it's never clarified for us and... I just want to know. How old is Peter? Peter, unfortunately. Ageless because, wonder. <laughs> because Ian Bowen clearly was like in his 30s, mm-hmm. early third, early, late, late 20s, early 30s when the show started. Um, he clearly looks like he's in his 30s throughout the, most of the show, um, which is silly because we know that he and Derek were in high school together. So, yep. who knows? Maybe he, he could also just be one of those absolute weirdo freaks who hangs out at their old high school when they are 23 years old. Oh my God. Could you imagine peaking in high school? Uh, no. (laughs) Thank Um, God I haven't peaked yet. I hope it happens when I'm like 50. That's when I want to be at my prime. (laughs) 
I wish that for you. Thank you. I'm sending you those I wanna vibes. Have, I like want to grow out my gray hair and just like have long, like flowing gray hair and like throw elegant parties. My great grandma's hair went totally white before she was 30. And I really wish that that was like a trait that I had because then I could do anything I wanted with my hair ever. Yeah. Um, anyway, what are your questions? Okay. So, um, one, why is, why, why, what's the purpose of setting up, um, Derek as the villain? Is it just like a red herring? What's, I think it is a red herring, but also because ultimately we find out that Peter is the villain. We have to draw some sort of connection to the Hale family because otherwise you'd have absolutely nothing to go on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's just convenient and he looks angry. Conveniently handsome. He um. is so handsome. <laughs> he's very beautiful. Okay. My other question in this is a little bit broader. So obviously, mm-hmm. and as we've mentioned, this show borrows from all kinds of other teen media, like from the sort of campier, like teen romance movies to, you know, what I would qualify as like teen horror. So like Vampire Diaries, Supernatural, Buffy. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like it owes to those genres? And do you feel like it's actually benefited from borrowing, borrowing from them so much? Or do you think Teen Wolf should have sort of started standing on its own two legs a little bit more obviously it is based on the movie Mm -hmm. the michael j fox movie um which is incredibly campy yes and nothing Um, like this (laughs) similarly to buffy like the original buffy movie has almost nothing to do with the tv show um you know i think that you can very clearly see like even in this first pilot episode you know there's a lot of there's a new girl at school who has a secret, um, but somebody knows who it is. And like, you know, people are gaining crazy responsibility and like the fate of the world, or at least Beacon Hills is on your shoulders, even though you may or may not know it yet. Um, and so I think most stories benefit from having a structure to start with because nothing is original, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you, you know, new ideas, Sorry, no new guys. ideas. Um, you need some sort of scaffolding to build on. And I actually think that Teen Wolf really succeeds, especially in the later seasons, not season five of, um, kind of breaking out of that mold and using supernatural happenings to kind of explore things like grief and, uh, and love and heartbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, because love is not just this like extremely sweet, wonderful, innocent thing that happens in high school, like her- horrific things can happen. And you, a teenager feel like you are gonna die. And that's kind of treated with equal weight mm-hmm. to all of the other supernatural things that are going on. And I think that it, Teen Wolf didn't really need to do a lot to strike out on its own. You're right. You know what? I think you're right. I think that sort of giving us the, you know, the scaffolding or the skeleton was enough to sort of put it in its own genre. And we talk about this all the time. Like after the first season, especially Teen Wolf is very much its own show. It's unique. It is so other than, you know, some of the shows I just mentioned and a lot of other teen television that was coming out at the time at the time and is coming out now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's special. Teen Wolf is built different. It is. Well, and I also would say that it's a lot less formulaic than a lot of other teen shows. Yeah. Um, Again, when you introduce Japanese (laughs) ghosts, it gets a little out there. That's the one. That's the the thing that I keep coming back to. I'm like, no one was doing it like Teen Wolf and perhaps (laughs) nobody should have. But yeah, there are definite moments where Teen Wolf really should not have done it too well. (laughs) But that's for the rest of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My oh, I had one more question. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is this episode so gray? There is nary a color in it. Is it just a budget (laughs) problem? 
Um, you know, I think that there is just this conception that gray equates to seriousness. Gray equates to weight. It equates to you should uh, pay attention. Um, I think that's incredibly boring. It's so boring. And someone needs to tell the Marvel movies that. <laughs> someone needs to tell the DC movies that. Yeah. My God. Actually, no. They just need to tell the Batman and Superman movies because all of the other movies are great there's and exactly, candy colored. There is exactly one good Superman media outside of the comics. It is Smallville. <laughs> yeah. Oh. This I when I rewatched Smallville over quarantine, I was thinking about how much Click Clark is like Scott, and it was I was mm-hmm. like, that's wonderful. This is such a good parallel. Love it, love it. What a delight. Um, observations. Do you have any observations presented with you know out comment? You can just say whatever you want here. Presented without comment, Allison wears a bumpet in her hair. Embarrassing. I'm to the comment. party. Im- embarrassing also because it's 2011 we had moved past the bump bump it phase but she's clearly wearing one i think this observation should be expanded the fashion it's not like disney channel fashion where it's like you know Mm -hmm. ridiculous on purpose and like no one's allowed to show any skin but it is fashion forward you know we've got like an mtv like this is geared towards like edgy teenagers kind of show and i forgot how structured everything was back then the blazer the blazer the military jacket the skinny jeans her little chunky bracelet yeah everything had shape and structure it was really fun to watch this because you know like again it's not really like disney and it's not like a cw show like gossip girl or every the things that people are wearing are just like ridiculous and flamboyant the stuff that everyone's wearing in this episode is stuff that we were probably wearing in high school. Oh yeah, it's not it's not bad. And that's part of the reason why I think the bump it thing sticks out to me, because it's just not part of what I'm used to seeing in like media from that time. Um, and I think it just makes it look a little bit more ridiculous because I wouldn't automatically look at those costumes and be like, they're so out of place. Yeah. Um, I'd be like, they're evoking a specific time, but it doesn't look weird to me. Mm-hmm. Um I for the most part, love it though. And I like seeing the way that the girls especially evolve. Yeah. Fashion wise. Um, the music. So fun. The music that plays in the lacrosse scene. I keep forgetting to look up what song that is, uh, but ghosts and stuff by dead mouse plays at the party. And mm-hmm. I remember dancing to that song at high school parties. And I don't think that's the only time that that song plays in teen wolf. And mm-hmm. we've talked about this before. Um, or we'll, I guess, talk about it in the future because we're Ho-ho. coming to you live from the future. Um, Having all of the MTV like licensed music, and when you were watching this in real time, and it would show up with what the song was mm-hmm. at the bottom of the screen, was so fun. And the music was always so good. And there's a couple shows that are like defined by how good the music was and how you know prevalent the music of the era was in those mm-hmm. shows. Like Dawson's Creek is one of those shows. Skins is one of those shows. And Teen Wolf is like nothing without its soundtrack. I would agree. You know, it's funny. Gilmore Girls is also one of those shows because brainworms. Uh, Gilmore Girls brainworms. Gilmore Girls brainworms. But like one of the like key writers is really really into music, and then one of the reasons that the reboot fails is that the music is so bad. Um, so I love when the music is good. Yes, and the music in Teen Wolf generally hits. It's usually sort of just like palatable techno, and like that's mm-hmm. not going to be bad. No, uh, we just get to sit there and vibe. It gives us some of the best Teen Wolf scenes, which of course are the rave scenes, which uh, we'll love talk about Teen in the Wolf future. Rave. Yep. Yeah. Um, and talk about the future in the past we're x-men right now i guess so it's it's hurting my brain a little bit to think about it um well sorry well let's give your brain a rest and just present another observation you may have had um i love coach we didn't really really talk about him we don't need to but i said this when we were watching the fact that coach is in like a day one to finale character 
mm-hmm. incredible. And Orny Adams is so funny. And it's not like Coach is like, um, you know, services the plot all that much. I mean, he does play certain elements, but he is sort of a grounding factor in the show. Like mm-hmm. anything crazy could be happening, but coach will show up and be like, we got practice tomorrow. And you're like, oh yeah, this is high school. High school. Yeah. yeah. Love coach. Love Orny Adams. I'm going to try to incorporate the everything else is cream cheese. Line, yeah. <laughs> into my daily life. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. I feel like we talked a lot about um, my observations in the episode. Do you have any that you'd like to share with the glass? Um, oh, we already kind of really talked about it, but I just like really appreciate the Scott and Styles relationship. I loved that when Styles drives all night, clearly, because he's still wearing the same clothes to go find Scott in the woods. Mm-hmm. He picks him up and he's like, I will punch you in the head. <laughs> but also Scott is wearing his jacket. And that was like the perfect dynamic. I will punch you in the head. Take my sweater, please. Yes. Brilliant. They love each other so much. They do. Um, hmm. Hmm, I actually think that about wraps it up. Wow. Whoa. Do you want to give us our pack stats? I do. Um, So for uh, all of those who are new old listeners, mm -hmm. Days of Futures Past, we keep track of some of the most ridiculous statistics in Teen Wolf. Tell us what we keep track of. We keep track of eyes. Uh, when a character glows their eyes, um, or when they do the look down, look up, which is my personal favorite. And in this particular episode, we had three, three instances of eyes. Eye glowing. Yes. Good. Um, one instances of claws growing out in the bathtub when Scott's having his little freak out. I like when the claws it. go ching. Yes. Yeah. Like their little Wolverine knives. Yes. Um, one shirtless moment. Scott is uh, naked when he jumps from his second floor. The first of window. many. People are never wearing shirts. No, there's in two shirtless moments. When he wakes up and he j- in, is in the woods, then jumps in the pool. He's shirtless oh then yes, too. yes. Well, Scott so is the, just generally naked. The, the twice of many. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the ads. Jackson drives a Porsche. It doesn't seem like sh- shot well enough for it to be an actual ad. No, the real ads come later when yes. we're Macy shopping and eating Reese's. But Chris drives a Chevy. In particular, he drives a Tahoe. Um, and that is pretty well established, established as, as an ad in the show. Yes. As, uh, as, and as Chris's car, um, we very frequently in our apartment have to deal with uh, fire sirens because we lived on the street from a firehouse. And I'm pleased to report that as of right now, no sirens have gone past us. Bummer. I feel like it would be nice if they sort of, you know, introduce themselves to the class. Yes. But you know what? For next time. Yeah. For next time. Before we sign off, do you have an alpha of the week? Someone who was particularly great in this episode? Uh, it's going to have to be Styles. Styles. Sorry, Scott. I know this is about <laughs> you, but you didn't do the Bella from Twilight research. So he, he did not have an answer to his own problem. And Styles always has the answer. So that's my alpha of the week. I would assume that yours is also Styles. Yes. Yeah, of course. It, here's the thing. It's generally styles we had somebody once be like i hate styles how did you watch this show um yeah that's baffling to me and also um i can't relate can't relate in any way sorry in any way (laughs) sorry i love him Mm -hmm. all right well i think that about wraps it up well welcome to the first episode of the teen wolf free wolf
first new first episode of the team the new and improved first episode of the team wolf free wolf there you go if you liked this episode and you want to keep track with us we're in the middle of season four right now um and by the time that some of you listen to this we might even be in season five six or done with the show but if you want to keep track um with all of that information you can follow us uh at on twitter at teen wolf underscore rewolf uh, that is also our Instagram handle. You can find us on Facebook and join our Facebook podcast group to join the discussion at Teen Wolf Free Wolf Podcast. We're on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Free Wolf. And if you really liked this episode, we implore you to leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, it helps us find new listeners and, and new people who want to talk about Teen Wolf, and that's kind of what we're all here for. And if you really, really liked this episode, you guys can buy us a coffee, just ko-fi forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf. Um, no pressure. Literally, we're not asking. It's just a link that exists. Mm -hmm. And we put out a newsletter every week and a new episode every Wednesday. And I think we're just excited to have everybody along for the ride. Yeah? I second that. So my name is Christian. I'm Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Awoo! Awoo.